This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And for the first time in, God, over a month, you know, six weeks, we're, we're finally at... Uh, a victory Monday, and it feels so much better than talking about, you know, whatever we called it. Take this L Monday, rough loss Monday, you know, really, really prefer the victory Monday. So, Perry, how are you feeling on this this glorious afternoon? I feel amazing. It <laughs> felt so good to watch the Packers not only win, but it was such a more vindicating win that it was a come from behind in the fourth quarter, take it to overtime just everything about it, I feel like Aaron Rodgers said it best, but that team just exercised a lot of demons in this game. And I loved I, – I thought about it when the game went into overtime, and I said even if they lose, it, it'll hurt, but this team put up a fight. They fought for this win up until, like, the clock struck zero. So I was just re- – it was really, really cool to see them come out with that kind of juice. Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of furthering what you're saying, too, it just was really special to see this Packers team come back 14 points and actually stay in it because it seems like most of the games that they lost this year, they were up by 10, 14 points, and then everything folded. You know, we would say, like, the dam broke, they couldn't play a complete game of football, and then everything just spiraled. So the fact that they were able to come out of this game after having some moments of adversity, like there were were times where this looked pretty ugly and it felt kind of insurmountable, to come back and put up 17 unanswered points to win the game in overtime just kind of shows what we've wanted to see from this team all season long. And what they're clearly capable of when things are firing on all cylinders. I I do think there was a level of like things just clicked in this game and whether that's guys stepping up or Rodgers 
felt I felt like Rogers really trusted his protection, was trusting getting the ball out like quickly tonight. Like Rogers was on his MVP level, and the defense made some huge plays to give the ball back to the offense, by which the offense actually responded and put up points from them. So there was a lot of things that have been missing the last six weeks that have led to the Packers losing that I think they turned around in this game and were able to clean up. And you kind of hope that like, this is the springboard. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you don't want to look too high after one win because it's still a four and six football team, but just the emotion that came out of the locker room um, between like Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and a lot of players just talking about, you know, Christian Watson had like the, the cell phone for the Packers social media after the game and was talking about how, you know, there's, seven games left wait no my math is wrong yeah there's seven games left you know th- this season's not over yet like we're still in this and I think that's what they needed because it's, it's hard to talk yourself into that week after week right if this was a three and seven team you know Rogers had said like there's a lot of guys looking at offseason plans at that point and it's like yeah. what are we going to do with the rest of the season you're very much still in this now and you know you kind of control your own destiny and that started with turning this thing around yesterday exactly you know, the, it was funny, the start of this game kind of felt like the the quintessential Packers a little bit of the 2022 season. Like, they're moving the ball really well between, you know, the 20s, and they get down yeah. there and they can't kind of finish it off, put the exclamation point on. Mason Crosby misses a field goal. There's just a lot at the beginning of this game that I was like, okay, this is going to go exactly how we're expecting it to, you know, they're running the ball really well. They stuck to the run. They stuck to the run throughout the entire game. Actually, I think the ground game is really what, what tired out the Cowboys and won this game ultimately, but they weren't like quite able to finish and defense is having, you know, keeping them in this game for the offense. But at the end of the day, the Packers offense was able to really turn it on and actually put up some points. This is their first 30 plus point game of the season, if I'm not mistaken. So, and obviously a lot of that is attributed to Christian Watson. You already mentioned it, but he had his, you know, career breakout game, uh, three, three touchdowns, 107 yards. Um, And I think him getting on the same page with Aaron Rodgers is huge. And his first touchdown, I think is really what led this offense on the trajectory they're on in this game, but a bunch of other guys stepped up and you kind of had your super superstars do what they needed to do. Yeah. You, you kind of tweeted about it already, but one of the things that we talked about was, you know, the cover beaters and there was a lot that the Packers weren't able to do offensively because the receivers weren't on the same page with Rogers. So they had these things in the playbook all season long But the way the defenses were playing them, knowing that they couldn't connect on the deep shot. I mean, Rogers said, I think it was, you know, a couple weeks ago at this point, like once we start connecting on the deep ball, this offense is going to look completely different. And you just can't win in this league without taking some of those shots. So as frustrating as it was, you know, Mark was making fun of me because right before that touchdown, I was like, oh, it's third and one. It's going to be a deep shot. Like, here we go. They're really kind of nervous. And then it's a touchdown. And he's like, are you still mad it was a deep shot? And I'm like, of course not, because it finally worked. But, you know, given the trajectory of how those were going all season, you kind of you hold your breath. So the fact that they're now connecting on those makes the defense have to second guess how they play some of those things against this Packers offense moving forward. Exactly. And they not only connected on one, but they connected on a lot of deep shots, right? Sammy Watkins had a huge one um, to convert a first down. It was a gorgeous pass by Aaron Rodgers. 
Obviously, Christian Watson had two, almost had three deep shot <laughs> touchdowns. They tried that same play again to him, but he couldn't track the ball. And it absolutely does open up the entire offense because you got to see the ground game really working. Even with the Cowboys really, really tried to stack the box against the Green Bay's offense, and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon were still able to get yards off them. I'm looking at the stats right now, and Green Bay averaged 6.8 yards per play. So that's a winning formula. They they won the ground game. They had 207 rushing yards. They won the time of possession because of it. They – I. yeah, equal turnover battle because Packers had two fumbles, but they got two interceptions off the Cowboys. So just like really good complementary offensive football. And I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that this was kind of the light bulb moment game for Christian Watson, because if this can be replicated, like you said, it completely changes the way defenses are going to play them. It changes the way they're able to dictate what they want to do on offense, which is something they haven't been able to do all season. So I think it could be a game changer. And yes, like Rogers has said all season that he's been wanting to exploit those, you know, single high matchups and they haven't been able to do it. And they got a game last night or Sunday night, if you're listening to this tomorrow, where the Cowboys played the most cover one against the Packers that they've seen all season. So like if they were going to do it, this was the game that they were going to do it on. And yet they still stuck to the ground game and they still like, had the most, I think, Matt LaFleur scheme-esque game of the season so far, and it worked because it opened up the deep shots for Rodgers when he felt like the coverage was in their favor. So really just, like, beautiful game planning, honestly. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we talked going into the previous show for this game about avoiding Micah Parsons. He was, you know, non-existent on the field. Yeah, non-factory. At his lowest, I think he had one pressure, his lowest of the entire season. You know, uh, Diggs was also a non-factor for most of the game. So just the Packers attacked this Cowboys defense exactly how we we kind of said that they needed to in order to move the chains. And that was one of the things, too, knowing, you know, your defense is out is without its best pass rusher. You know, you don't have Eric Stokes on the boundary for likely the rest of the season. They're going to get creative with how they're utilizing the secondary. Like this offense needed to sustain drives. So the fact that they were able to, even in, you know, moments of adversity, which I know we're, we're going to talk about some of those, those long drives and, you know, kind of game changing plays, the offense just not panicking. And Mm -hmm. I think gave the defense, you know, those moments to kind of catch their breath and refocus and realize that they could get back in it because the offense was finally putting up points. I mean, you said it. This was the first 31 point game of the season. So just a lot of really good building blocks. Yeah, a lot of things that the last couple of weeks, it's been some really ugly things. Got to clean up a lot to learn on tape. But hopefully this week is okay. let's now look at what we did do well. Mm -hmm. And how do we replicate this? Because there was a lot. There was a lot, so much, and it was not perfect by any means, but again, the other team gets paid too, um, but I thought they played like overall really clean game. I, You heard bas- basically nothing on the offensive line. Obviously, Rodgers kind of walked himself into one of those sacks, I think, because nobody was open, but actually, I think everyone was really clicking. This was a everyone doing their 111th kind of game, not a lot of breakdowns no routes run wrong just all of it and it it felt like you know under the lights cold game at Lambeau like you got to do this for the fans I have to say I don't know how you felt but watching the tv copy obviously I wasn't there Lambeau was loud 
Lambo sounded really, really loud. So it's really cool also as a fan to know that other fans were there. It didn't matter what the record was, but they were going to kind of make that atmosphere as hostile as possible for the Cowboys coming in. I'm sure Mike McCarthy was part of that also. <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting. I think LaFleur and Rogers both touched on the fact that there were too many Cowboys fans there. Like it was it was pretty uh I, at least that's the vibe that I saw from Twitter that the, a lot of people were kind of selling their tickets, but then, you know, and I think it's just, you know, when you're a fan, you feel like you need something to cheer for and be invested in. And I can see if you're down 28 to 14, it's really hard to get up. Right. And like cheer for your defense that you've seen, like, you know, it, it feels at times or it felt most of the season that those kind of games were insurmountable. So then you get like, you know, a Rudy Ford. I know that didn't happen when they were 28 to 14, but there were little glimpses where you could feel like the crowd was getting into it. And Rogers and Lafleur kind of both said like moving forward, that's the energy. Like we feed off of that so much. And I think that's kind of what this Packers team was missing, you know, not to excuse the road stretch, but it, it proved to be, I think a lot more challenging for them than we had maybe expected because looking at the matchups on paper, it felt like they were more winnable games based on the opponent, but to have that level of travel, not being able to be at Lambeau field, not being able to be where they're comfortable, you know, Tunyon talked about before the game, just sleeping in your own bed and what that does for you. Like, I think this is a rejuvenated team that yes, it's a really quick turnaround now going into Thursday, but it gives you at least what you hope is like a little bit of momentum to be able to kind of ride the wave. Yeah, but think about how different it's going to be in the building now going yeah. in a short week, right? I was thinking about this this morning. Like if the Packers lose this game, you're you're on this horrible losing streak. You're a short week. You're tired. You're banged up. Actually, luckily, Packers came out of this game fairly unscathed mm-hmm. in the injury department, which they could afford, they couldn't afford to not, but you know, you're staying home. You've got a Tennessee Titans team that after beating the Cowboys, this game actually feels winnable. Mm-hmm. Um, if you kind of go in with a very similar formula. So now you're riding this high. And if the Packers can get like stack some wins here, I don't know what the picture looks like past this, but you know, you look at this three game stretch and you're thinking, Oh, this team could very easily go. zero and three, these are three, you know, top teams in the league right now, all three are projected to go, including the Eagles in this to the playoffs. And all of a sudden you're in a position maybe to get two out of three of those games. And it just feels very, very different. And again, I'm not putting too much on this team. They've had a lot of ugly and there's still plenty of ugly to clean up, namely special teams. Um, But this now you're looking at a just a different team from like mentality juice mindset going into a Thursday night game against Tennessee. Yeah. And I mean, hindsight is always 2020 and that's what makes, you know, the season so interesting is because, you know, we talk about like the 2019 football team, there were a lot of one score wins and a lot of those games could have equally been losses. So I think we're seeing the flip side of that in 2022 where the Packers are in a lot of close games and the coins just flipping the other way now where they are taking losses instead of, you know, those victories. But so if any of those games flip, you know, you're talking about this season completely differently, but I think this was, you know, obviously it translated into a win in the record books, but at the same time, it was just everything they needed as far as a complete game standpoint. So the momentum that they're able to take from this, the way that they'll be able to kind of utilize their offensive pieces moving forward. I liked a lot of what we saw on the defensive side of the ball, which I know we'll kind of flip to in just a couple minutes, but it just felt like, you know, foundationally, this isn't like, hey, this is the game that now the Packers are going to ride into the playoffs. Like, yeah. we don't know. You know, there's seven games left. Anything can happen. 
you can't discount them. You can't put too much stock in the one win, but a lot of promise for, you know, the future. We keep talking about the future and what that looks like, regardless of who the quarterback is, all those things. Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs have put together, you know, it's early, but as far as, you know, rookie seasons are concerned, you like what you're seeing when they have those kind of moments in these, these big games. Yeah. And I just saw in terms of rookie touchdowns on the year, Christian Watson now has four that's tied him for the most with Jahan Dotson and guess who's second with three Romeo Dobbs. So if anything to take away from this win, I completely agree. It's that the future of this team and the kind of young stars that are emerging at the moment should give everyone a lot of confidence in where they're going, regardless of the other question marks. And hopefully, you know, you know, they still have another half of the season. I know, Romeo Dobbs isn't going to come back for probably at least another month or so, but you're going to now get to have a healthy Christian Watson, you know, gain that trust and all those reps and the time on the field from with Aaron Rodgers and the rest of this offense. And hopefully this is a continuation of what we saw last night. Cause if, like I said, if this is the light bulb game and they can put together his speed and his size and the routes that he's clearly able to run that he didn't do in college, like he can be, everything this team wanted when they drafted him and more. I felt the joy that I felt when the Packers drafted him on draft day, that giddiness and excitement, it totally translated into this game last night. I just couldn't be happier for him as a player. Yeah. And I think, you know, what this does too, is it puts the other guys on the offense in a position to play their best role. You know, we saw Lazard have his really good moments. You knew Rodgers was going to come to him, you know, in overtime to make that big play. And that's kind of, you know, the trust that they have. But it sounds like Randall Cobb is going to be back for for Tennessee, which is nice on a short week. He should be activated off injured reserve. Sammy Watkins, I think, you know, is is better as a role player for this offense right now. I don't think he was you know, meant to be wide receiver one. So that was a lot of pressure on him to kind of make those plays. And then you have a guy like Christian Watson, who all of a sudden comes in, is able to blow the top off a of defense. And all of a sudden it opens up so much more for the rest yeah. of your offense. You have to respect the run game because you have to respect the deep shot. Like everything about this game just really set up the offense for success. And you mentioned it a little bit earlier in the show, just the offensive line, you know, they finally have the five guys they want on the line. They had a really nice night as far as, you know, not getting really any penalties. It was pretty quiet for them. I know you can argue that, you know, some guys, you know, Elton Jenkins, I know had kind of a rough night, but he's not even a year removed from the ACL. So a lot of building blocks here that, you know, a lot of good stuff. I have to say, I think so much of offensive line play is looking at pressure stats, Yeah, but they were moving guys in the run game. Like this is a very, very formidable Cowboys defensive front. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned, Michael Parsons was a non-factor. You did see a little Dexter Lawrence. You knew they were going to get in there and have their moments. But I think for the most part, like this offensive line was moving guys for Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. And I do want to look, Aaron Jones is the highlight. He's always the highlight. The Marshawn Lynch, all of it. He is, he's every, he's a superstar. But I have to say, it was really nice to see AJ Dillon get his touches because I've said this before and I really believe it. He is a rhythm back. If he's only touching the ball a handful of times in a game, you're just not going to see the production out of him. He has to like kind of get moving. And we're going into his season, right? Like right. this is when he thrives, his legs are ready, he's fresh for the cold weather. So, Um, I just think that this duo is going to start stacking some of that success that we saw last night. 
Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because Aaron Jones said that too after the game. Like they play such complimentary football that one of the best parts about last night was that they both got to stay fresh the whole game because, you know, Jones would have, he'd break a run and then AJ would come in and move the chains and Jones could stay on the sidelines and catch his breath. And obviously it worked 207 yards on the ground, you know, second only by one yard to the Bills game, which again, the run game was a huge factor there. So I think we're just seeing the scheme work the way it's supposed to. I think this was like the, the most run percentage of Rogers career or something like that. 62%. And he was calling for more. That was right. Right. Part of the game, is that <laughs> at the end of regulation, you have Aaron Rodgers who has said, if I'm going down with this team, I'm going down swinging, I'm going down slinging it, yelling at his head coach because he wanted to run the ball. Like that is such a mindset shift that we've never seen from yeah. him. Like, that to me is any questions around his like buy-in should be answered with that because he was angry, like very angry because he wanted to run the ball. Insane. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. So let's let's flip it and talk about the defense because there's okay. there's some good and bad with the defense that I know we'll get into. And I think we could talk about the offense for a long time because this is what we've waited for. So, okay. you know, obviously we'll have a full full preview show of the Titans, but Derrick Henry's coming to town. It's cold. You know, obviously he was a non-factor the last time these two teams played, but Tony Pollard had himself still a really productive day. Um, and the the run defense is just not what it needs to be. The defensive line to me feels non-existent at this point. Yeah. Okay. So I think we also talked about this in our preview show saying like, you you just lost for Sean Gary. Preston Smith is like really only the guy. Kenny has been a little quiet. Factor. Yeah, yeah. Quieter than we would have liked. And so this game was really going to be on the Packers secondary to come up with the big plays. And while they did allow some big plays They also created some big turnover plays, obviously. So again, I think it's, it's going to be one of those things where, you know, coming in like the weapon, the weapon that the Titans have is Derrick Henry. So are you going to stack the box? Like, you know, you tempted to do against Tony Pollard, but couldn't Tony Pollard's obviously a very different back. I think he's smaller, he's speedier. Like he can turn the jets on Derrick Henry is just, big and cannot get taken down like tackling is going to be number one here not great a lot of Tony Pollard getting into that second level and you know tackling is still an issue for this team I did like a lot of what Joe Barry did with moving guys around trying to use the linebackers right that he used Rudy Ford as a spy a little bit on some run plays and Rudy Ford was able to make so many plays in this game but 
unfortunately, your Jerron Reeds, your Dean Lowry's, your Devontae Wyatt's, they're, they're just not stepping up in the run game. They're big bodies and they're getting pushed around by opposing offensive lines. And it's a lot to ask of the secondary. Again, they, they, I think looked like they had much better communication in this game. They were able to hand off routes. I loved, we'll talk, let's talk about Savage in the slot in a second, but yeah, I mean, there were, the Cowboys offensive line was able to get some huge holes for their running backs. And that is very alarming. One of the things that I'm really excited about, and I know, you know, we don't want to talk too much about the Titans game is this, this team, it it feels like a very winnable game based on what we saw the Packers do on Sunday. And even if Devondre Campbell comes back, which I think will help, I think that's kind of, you know, where this defense needs some support right now is in the middle. And I thought Quay had a really good game. Isaiah McDuffie is playing really well. The official stats won't update until Wednesday, but so far on pro football um, reference, he has zero missed tackles on the season, wow. which is really impressive for an inside linebacker and, you know, somebody that's had to step into the role that he's had to step in. So, you know, in, in my head, I'm thinking like, you know, you have so many options if you have like, Campbell and McDuffie in some sub packages and then you bring Quay closer to the line of scrimmage and let him like send him on a blitz like those are the kind of things that they're going to have to do with a running back like Derrick Henry to just you know fill some of those gaps and I just I did want to give a little credit to Isaiah McDuffie because I thought he's played really well when he's had to kind of step in as inside linebacker four to start yeah he is and he's depth like he's really supposed to be a special teams guy and he's really stepped up. I agree with you. I thought Quay had a really nice game. I mean, there's some rookie growing pains there, obviously for him. He's all of a sudden having to wear the helmet, the blue dot, green dot, whatever they call it, like calling the defense from Joe Barry. Like he's, he's taken on a lot of responsibilities. um, And I think so far he stepped up to the plate. I, I just really think this team missed. I mean, obviously this is such a, obvious statement to make but this team really missed Rashawn Gary we knew yeah. they would, and they're right? going to all season unfortunately yeah. like this this front is just simply on his back a little bit and without him you don't see Preston Smith or Kenny be able to do much of anything because it's easier when you only have to block those two than when you have Rashawn Gary like speeding by around the edge so I did notice it despite the win. I think I tweeted this out as well. Like we're not talking about the lack of pressure enough and how different this team is. I think the really big play that it looked like Jair got beat by CD lamb on towards the end of the game is like the perfect example, right? No pressure. You're like rushing for, they got no pressure. And now all of a sudden the secondary has no time like they all of a sudden have to cover you know one of the best wide receivers in the league and Dak had all the time in the world to get him the ball and like perfect placement and it just is the is exactly why you can try to put a game like this on the secondary and they came up with the big plays but without pressure the rest of the season you're gonna you're gonna be giving up some explosives yeah and I mean you see you know, the results when, you know, Jair had a really nice PBU on, on CD Lamb when they tried like the quick slant and he was just, he blew it up. But I, you know, when you watch those plays live for the CD touchdown, it was like five seconds that he was able to just stand in the pocket and it was stonewalled. Like, you know, he had all the time in the world to find his receivers and it's just a lot to ask your secondary to, to cover like that. But I did appreciate Joe Barry, you know, we talk about things being too little too late. So thankfully it wasn't in this instance, moving Savage, getting created Savage blitzed. I want to say at least like five times 
you know, so if that's how they have to handle this without the the Rashawn Geary pressure is to send, you know, their DBs and get creative and send an inside linebacker occasionally, like, you know, whatever you have to do to, to create some type of pressure, because in one of those instances, Savage got close enough to Dak that he stepped into Kenny Clark. So if they can just, you know, get really creative with some of these pressures, that's how they're gonna have to do it because Rashawn's not coming back. You know, there's no way to just replicate what you're missing now with him. Exactly. I agree. Um, let's talk about secondary because there was a lot of changes, right? Yeah. Every package had a difference. So um, you had Amos kind of playing that like hybrid role. Um, which I love. Off, I which love for love. him. We yeah. lo- I mean, he's so, so, so good at it. Um, you had Savage playing in the slot, but then, and Rudy Ford coming in at safety, but then in, I think, Dime, they moved Savage back to safety. They brought in Casey on Nixon for in the slot. So a lot of moving parts, I think, for a first game of basically an entirely new base secondary, they played quite well. Like I said, mm-hmm. I really thought that like communication and route passing off looked smoother. Savage is still an enigma to me. Mm-hmm. I think what my takeaway from this is when you put him in the position that he's in close to the line of, line of scrimmage, I think he's a better playmaker, right? He can use his athleticism to try to make plays on the ball. Is he still kind of a poor tackler? Yes. Is he still getting a little bit whiffed on sometimes? Yes, but at least he's not, you know, last line of defense in the open field when that happens. And Two, I thought he just played with a lot more confidence. Like he looks more comfortable there, which might be, it's probably a huge part of it, right? He played majority, I think, slot corner in college. It's where he, it's kind of, I guess his bread and butter. So I think I'm on in the camp of leave him there or do what they did, you know, continuing forward until something changes. Because if nothing else, when you have a guy who, is confident in his abilities, he's probably going to make more plays regardless if he's actually like better at the role or not. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, it's a small sample size, so we'll have to see in the coming weeks what that looks like, but I do agree. And you know, the tackling is still a concern, but it's a lot different when you're playing slot corner and you miss a tackle five yards past the line of scrimmage instead of being the last line of defense and missing a tackle 30 yards downfield. And then it goes for a touchdown. So, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that they need to clean up. And maybe that's, you know, part of the idea, right? Is when you're talking about guarding the middle of the defense, you are typically looking at gang tackling. So even if Savage is able to just like, you know, kind of kind of chip it a little bit and he doesn't complete the tackle, there's typically enough, you know, help at that point with your inside linebackers and whoever else to get down the field and help make those tackles to minimize some of those big gains. So I did like it. You know, I'm, I'm curious to see them do more of it. And, you know, the Titans are kind of a, a decent run at this on Thursday because their wide receiver core is not that special. I mean, they, they actually are putting up less points per game than the Packers are, which seems impressive when you think about how little points the Packers are putting up on the season. So I want to see a larger sample size, but I did appreciate Joe Barry for, for getting creative with, with a lot of his pieces on Sunday. Yeah. Only took a season ending injury and <laughs> 10 weeks into the season, but we'll take it before we wrap up. Should we do, Highs, lows, highlights, lowlights. Yeah, I mean the low light. I think is special teams. Yeah, Yeah, we do. We need to talk about this because Matt Lafleur had a press conference this morning and said, you know, basically the whole Amari Rogers experiment is done. 
officially. So I think it's probably like three fumbles too late in my opinion, but they got there. And here's the thing. And I do, I do want to say this really quick. I am not calling for Amari Rogers to get cut. I'm not calling for Amari Rogers to get benched. You want to keep him in the offense. He's made some nice plays so far when he gets his opportunities offense. Fine. He is just not a punt returner and that's okay. It is no. okay that he does not have that skill set. Just simply do not force it if he's showing you that he can't do it. That's all I'm asking for. Um, there has to be somebody else on this team who can do it. I mean, why not put Kylan Hill back there, right? So that is all I will say about that. But I agree. And I, th- I mean, beyond that, you know, I thought special teams played really well. Nixon looked really good in the two opportunities that he got. You know, at, it was like one of those, like, catch your breath kind of moments when he skied up and caught the ball you know probably should let that let one go, go he should have but... he should have but the fact that he actually had the hands to field it successfully and not muff it i was i was like all right i've seen enough this is you know at least progress at this point yeah. didn't love the decision to make crosby try and kick a 54 yarder with a back injury like i know he said that his back was kind of tight and we're talking about like 28 degree weather so i get you know wanting some points at that point so it's funny that, you know, last week we're saying just take the field goals. And then this week it's like, man, yeah. I feel like maybe they should have gone for it the way their offense was was rolling those first couple drives. But overall, I mean, still still feel like the arrow is trending up for special teams. Yeah. And hey, Mason hit the game winner. That's so true. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Yeah. Um, so that's our low light of the game. Highlight is just the offense. This is what we've we've wanted to see for so long. And every week when we talk about, you know, final score predictions, like this is what the offense can be. And it is unfortunate that it took 10 games into the season to get to this point because we were hoping that this is the kind of production that we would see, you know, week three, week four, you know. But, hey, we're dealing with a lot of rookies. You're dealing with a lot of injuries, a lot of moving pieces. And the fact that guys are starting to get healthy like Lazard did his his locker room interview with an ice bag on his entire shoulder. Like, you know, yeah. these guys aren't feeling 100%. So to get them more involved, you know, we talked about it earlier in the show. I just think that this is going to open up a lot of doors and it's going to put a lot of the offensive pieces in their best positions moving forward. I would like to just do a tiny victory lap and say I called this game as a win. Um, so I do feel very good about that. And I think that to me, like, if the Packers had beaten the Lions last weekend, okay, great. You know, they beat the Lions. They beat the worst team in the league, sure. They beat an actual good team this Sunday. And the Cowboys still played very well. Obviously, I'm sure Dak wishes he had his two interceptions back. But the Packers beat a 6-2 and two football team. Like, this was a huge come-from-behind win. And I think that, to me says the most about like where this team is at right now. Like they haven't given up on themselves. A lot of people have given up on them. You and I have talked about even on the show, like what does the rest of the season look like if they're not in the playoff picture? Do we start like there's been so much swirl, Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit premature, but what else are you supposed to talk about when they're on a six, you know, five game losing streak and this team kind of turned around and said, no, 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 don't you forget who we are and what we're capable of um, against you know, a playoff bound, like very good, very good Dak Prescott led team. So that's kind of the highlight for me is that it it wasn't a lame win, if you will. It right. was a it was a big win. Like this was a big loss for Dallas. 
that I don't think that they expected. And the Packers were underdogs at home and reminded everybody, no, no, don't, don't ever count us out. And then I think lastly, obviously just watching a rookie have his, have his career breakout game is always, is always a highlight. Yeah. I'll, I'll piggyback off of that a little bit too. And just say like, you know, we talked about this game would be different if it was like even the giants game or the commanders game where the Packers go up and then they just like hang on for dear life and pull out a victory. And you're like, do you feel really that good about it? Because it felt like everything was spiraling and they just like managed to, to hang on enough. Yes. It would still be a win instead of a loss, but doesn't feel as good. This was a come from behind 14 points at any moment. You're talking about how this could be insurmountable. And, you know, the media asked Rogers and the floor that, like, how did you keep the momentum knowing that in multiple of the games this season, had this happened, you've seen how the team has responded and they've kind of folded. So I think that is actually the biggest takeaway. And the biggest highlight for me is just this team put up 17 unanswered points to come back and win against like you said, a formidable defense, not the worst defense in the league. It's not like they were, you know, they had a better outing against a much better defense than they did in Detroit. So these are things that, again, nobody's coming on the show and saying that the Packers are now Super Bowl contenders. Like, we don't know what that looks like, but we do know that on a short week, this was a much needed victory, exercises a lot of demons, as QB1 said, and now, you know, the rest of the season gets kind of exciting again, I think. Yeah. You know, you we get to enjoy some football see what happens, you know, the rest of the way. And the team is very much bought into, I think, that and that's, you know, another highlight there is that the team has bought into what they're capable of. And I think we'll see more of that moving forward. I was just going to say, I think the finally getting to see the way Matt LaFleur wants to run this offense and see it succeed, as we've talked about all season of like pointing at, okay, what is this team good at? And let's do it. And not just see it succeed, but seeing 12 be the one to like really lean in like that to me is everything because he he is the leader right Mm -hmm. I love that he went back to Christian and said don't worry about it I'm coming back to you and we're gonna get one of these things like I like hearing and his body language and his excitement and he was throwing blocks for the best best. and like like I think him with that attitude and his buy-in, it permeates throughout the entire locker room, throughout the entire roster from top down. So I loved seeing that because I do think this team, if they play the way that they did this this game, like they have a formula to win. They finally did it and they won, right? And so that feels good. Yeah, and it just takes one. So we'll be back, obviously, short week this week for the Packers, Thursday Night Football with the Tennessee Titans coming to Lambeau Field. Um, But, you know, stick around. We'll have the preview episode for that later this week. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast. Um, You can find us on Twitch, Instagram, and YouTube at PaxWhatSheSaid. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Um, You can find the podcast anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. Remember to download the shows each week. It really helps us out. And thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.